Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined via Zoom by my resident golf sickos and my co-host, Mr. Jonathan Teal and Scott Scooter Gers. Boys, how are things back in Oklahoma? Yeah, so I just got back to Oklahoma, so I will uh, was in Kansas, uh, pulled in the driveway at 8.30 and came up to the office and meet up with you two beautiful gents. So, um, glad to be back home. Till you still alive? Uh, things are, th- things are spotty. Things are spotty here. Um, sad for the state of Oklahoma, as we'll get to here shortly, not being able to hoist a trophy this evening, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to battle through it. Good to be with you guys. Good to be with you guys as well. You know, boys, uh, I'm, I'm out here live from Scottsdale, right? So spent the day at Greyhawk uh, watching OU in Oklahoma State. Hit it around the Raptor course here in lovely Scottsdale. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a little Charles Schwab action down in Big D. Uh, we can probably get some other stuff that we're going to talk about as well. But before... We get into all the hot golf talk. As always, have to show some love to our sponsor. And, of course, we are talking about Chalk Luxury Sports Bar, right? So everybody knows about Chalk, 1324 West Memorial Road. They're in Chisholm Creek Plaza. You can follow them on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. I spent the afternoon up there on Saturday, boys. Took in a little Champions League final. Real Madrid over Liverpool as a Manchester United fan. Nothing brought me more joy given it was an awful, awful season by Manchester United, but uh, enjoyed it. Good camaraderie, cold drinks, good food, always the favorite. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Um, what else? Hey, we, we've got we got something else coming up at Chalk. We're all going to be there pretty soon, right? Uh, actually, we're not all going to be there. I am very sad that I will be missing our next major Monday promotion uh, as you surely know by now, the Monday before every major championship, we come to you live from Chalk with a happy hour from 4 to 5.30. We give away every golfer in that major field, and the winner gets $100 in credit to Lincoln Park. You guys are going to have to to run the ship that day. Are you, are you capable? Are you capable of doing it? That's the question. Probably be the best pod ever, if I had to guess. Scott, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's going to be just, you know, it doesn't take long to, to warm up a Cadillac, and that's what Keith and I are, are. so it'll be very easy. I agree. I agree. We're, we're going to miss you anyways, though, Till. Going to yeah. miss you anyways. <laughs> Always sure the favorite. That is I wish Chalk. I, could, I wish I could say the same. I wish I could say the same, guys. Uh, well, well, let's get into it, guys. So you want to talk a, a little bit about the NCAA championships, right? So Individual stroke play finished up here today at Greyhawk. I was out there battling the heat and battling the wind more than anything else, guys. So, obviously, we knew in the desert it was going to be hot. Didn't know that it was going to be so windy today. Some tough, tough conditions out there. Um, <laughs> OU, Oklahoma State were in the driver's seat, one and two, respectively, coming into today. Did not fare so well, did they, Till? They really did not. It was uh, really set up to, uh, in my mind, be kind of a a two-man show, even though the eventual winner was also in the final pairing. But uh, I think going into it, you had to think the number one-ranked college golfer in the country, Chris Goderup, or uh, the number two-ranked golfer, Eugenio Lopez-Cachara, was going to be ultimately the one hoisting the trophy. And tell you what, it was a roller coaster. It was an absolute roller coaster. At one point, I thought Eugenio was dead and buried. Um, at another point, I thought we were going to have a Texas Longhorn come out of nowhere and and claim the trophy. Uh, but you said it. It was the conditions that kind of forced the issue. And ultimately, Steady Eddie, Mr. Gordon Sargent, is the one that ends up getting it done uh, in a playoff. One of your favorite things of all time. We know that for sure. Oh, here we go. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. 
You kidding it. me? Playoffs? <laughs> Don't set me up. No, you're right. It, it was a lot of fun. So very, what was it like out there? Very, very <laughs> dramatic. Very dramatic. Uh, it was chaotic, right? So I was trying to send you guys text. I was texting video snippets. I was texting pics. I was trying to give you updates perhaps before it hit live on the coverage there where you guys were watching on Golf TV. And, and really, you know, you could see it all kind of culminating together in those last two groups. And, and it was really kind of hard to, uh, to track it all down, right? So uh, Cootie for Texas was on the other side of the course, right? So he started off on the, the back nine today. And so he kind of made a late run there to find himself in the playoff along with um, North Carolina's um, Ryan Burnett. Bernie is what everybody kept calling him, right? So Gordo, the Vanderbilt faithful, uh, referred to Gordon Sargent. But, you know, I followed that final pairing for most of the day, right? So we're talking about Chris Goddard from OU, ELC for Oklahoma State, and then the aforementioned Gordon Sargent. And I was texting you guys, Goddard and Eugenio consistently drove it past this kid 30, 40 yards on, on every par four, every par five. Not a long hitter, kind of a slider build kid when compared to Goddard for sure, who's a unit. And then ELC, a big dude as well, so probably 6'2", 6'3", long and lanky. Generates a lot of power, but um, the kid's short game, the kid's irons, his mid to short irons, he was dialed in. He was getting up and down forever from everywhere, especially on the back nine. Finds himself in a playoff, and then it was that mid-iron game, right? So his, the second shot into the green on 18, the first playoff hole, absolutely sticks it, knocks it within about five feet, finds a way to roll the putt in, but uh, pretty exciting stuff. And, uh, yeah, even though an Oklahoma State or OU player did not win, uh, it was still pretty enjoyable to watch, and uh, yeah, yeah, definitely dramatic. You could feel it, uh, Keith. I just, you know, I was driving uh, from pretty much Topeka, Kansas, down to Oklahoma City, so I was really just c- catching up on the text that we were all sending in the phone, or not really we, but you, you and JT. Um, the video that you sent a got uh, got her up. I think his approach shot that he stuffed it close. It sounded like a good crowd uh, reaction. Like, was there? Is there a good amount of people out there? Yeah, the final group, uh, those three guys in the final pairing, I would say they probably had 200 to 300 people probably following them around. Yeah. That's awesome. It it didn't start that way. I think as the scores started coming in and people that were out following other groups kind of started to see that, hey, look, it's coming down to these three guys. Uh, Potentially, you know, those guys all had a chance to win it outright on the last couple of holes, but definitely picked up some uh, some viewers and some watchers and some followers along the uh, the last four or five holes. But yeah, no, it was it was it was a good grouping out there following them um, and uh, a very raucous crowd. Right, whenever whenever there's good shots, I mean, it was tough. There was not a lot of great shots, I would say. Uh, in that group on the last few holes, but there were some good shots. And, uh, yeah, Sargent probably just avoided goofy mistakes more than the other guys. I mean, Eugenio, he was all over the place. A lot of birdies, a lot of bogeys, some doubles in there, I think. So he had a psycho scorecard coming in. Uh, Goddard, uh, just the putter, Teal. I I think you and I, we were talking about before we got on air, I mean – Bless his heart. It seems like he had five to six lip outs or grazed the edges, and I think he might have hit three or four or three putts, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Wow. Yeah, the putter was absolutely ice cold. I mean, it, he hit every shot that he needed to hit to to win the event or win the individual event and just could not get a putt to fall. And, you know, the one on 18 was was not a good putt. I feel like every other putt that he hit, as you just said, was, was spot on. Uh, the one that, you know, frankly probably cost him was he tried to jam that sucker in on 17 after he had hit it tight. And he, he really needed, as the broadcast said, he really needed to feed that one in there. Uh, he was probably fortunate to make the comebacker to be quite honest. Uh, could have been a really nasty little three putt, but, um, yeah, I, I said it early on, He's going to have to make a putt to win this thing, and he literally could not make one that wasn't tap-in distance all day long. Uh, those three bogeys that he had in a row on the front nine certainly cost him, and that was due to putting as well. Um, so d- disappointing. It certainly would have been a you know a storybook finish for him, being a transfer from Rutgers, his final year of eligibility. On top of that, uh, if he would have just finished, I believe, fourth or better, he would have been a lock for the PGA Tour U top five, giving him an exemption for the rest of the summer. 
um, out on the Corn Ferry Tour. So a tough one, tough one to swallow. Uh, did a great interview after the round, but uh, and, and said the right things. Hey, this you know this is not an individual event. This is a team thing. This is what we came out here to do. No big deal. But to have that much on the line, and then for it to come down to ultimately, uh, what he was was he was four feet away on seventeen? Maybe it was a little longer than that. Four or five feet, similar distance on eighteen. Misses them both, and make you make one, and, and you're at least in a playoff. So. Unfortunate uh, for Big Chris, but certainly one of the reasons that OU's uh, there and doing so well and on to match play. Yeah, well, speaking of local guys, let's talk about the local guy that did make the playoff, Till. So, and that being, of course, ELC, Eugenio Lopez Chikara, um, you know, really, really struggled out of the gate. Okay. So, and, and it was interesting to see him in that final pairing. And I'm up there on one tee, right, watching all the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State guys kind of come through off the first tee. And uh, dude had the eye of the tiger. I mean, he was laser focused, you know, usually a little more, I don't want to say loosey goosey, but, you know, smiling, you know, maybe cracking a joke here and there. Uh, Eugenio was, was, was dialed in. Amon Gupta, another guy as well, which we'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment, too. Um, and, and got out of the gates a little slow. So had a couple birdies, or a couple bogeys, excuse me, through the first three holes. I think he had a birdie mixed in there as well. And then kind of had a couple of disaster holes here and there. And his problem more so off the tee. Uh, he was spraying it a little, a little bit yeah. with the driver, uh, kind of getting into some trouble on 17. We saw that you know cost him a bogey there, which you know ultimately may have cost him the championship. Drives it into a I don't know what kind of bush that is uh, that was on the right, and kind of had to hack it out of there. And did a really good job to get it up close to the green, uh, but it had about 95, almost 100 feet, I think. I was listening to some of the guys talk about it. Uh, three putted there on 17 for bogey, but um, I mean. He had it right there in his grasp, um, had Coach Bratton walking around with him all day. I think Coach Bratton followed him pretty much the whole day, kind of talking him through, th- through some things. But, um, yeah, just couldn't, couldn't figure it out off the tee, I think. Yeah, that stretch should have cost him. I mean, he uh, threw seven holes. He was five over par. And it's seemingly out of it. I think one time he had to actually go back to the tee maybe to hit another ball or he hit a provisional. It, it was not good. And after making that triple bogey on seven, three straight birdies to come back from that was, was just damn impressive. And, um, you know, the, in the, he does get in the playoff. You know, it's kind of at that point, it's a driving contest. You absolutely hit, have to put it in that fairway to have a chance on 18. He gets in the fairway bunker and just, you know, can't get up and down from a, from a really tough spot left of the green. But uh, I, I, I know that we were trying to figure out if, if he had some sort of injury. A few times on the broadcast, I saw him, like, walking off tee boxes, kind of um, holding his hip, and it was confirmed he was dealing with something there, at least during that front nine. But, man, he, he absolutely fought and clawed, and he showed a lot of emotion doing it. It was pretty fun uh, watching him fist pump those birdies in, and he was really trying to get his uh, contingent fired up in that stretch where he came back. But got to give it up. Uh, to Eugenio, I mean, this is, you know, it's two, what, two years ago, whenever Bratton says, hey, look out for this kid to us on the pod. And boy, he is certainly delivered, going to have the good fortune of seeing him again next year, coming say, back for an another extra year. year. Yeah. Yeah. So um, all, all kudos to Eugenio. Just, just could not quite get it done. He did one more good drive on 18 to extend that playoff probably, but fell just a bit short. Man, what a fighter. What a fighter. Well, Congratulations to Vanderbilt's Gordon Sargent, but uh, as you alluded to earlier, Till, and as Chris Goddard alluded to, it is a team event, and so let's get to it. The pairings are out for tomorrow. Uh, we can recap the seedings. There's actually a three-way tie for first from a team seeding standpoint. Vanderbilt wins the tiebreaker uh, in that regard. Oklahoma finishes second, North Carolina third. We're going to get Oklahoma State and Texas in the 4-5 matchup, which is going to be a lot of fun. Pepperdine finishes sixth. The host school, Arizona State seven and then another big 12 school four of the eight uh our big 12 schools texas tech sneaks in there jumps ahead of arkansas uh in the uh, the final day there from a cut standpoint to round out the top eight ou in that super early time slot out here guys it'd be 8 20 your time 6 20 local time uh the pairings are out Vinny Welch going up against Anderson from Arizona State. Drew Goodman in the two-hole against Ballister. Chris Goderup in the three-hole against Summerhays. Logie Mack in the four-hole against Puig. And then Stephen Campbell Jr. in the five-hole 
against Cameron Sisk, who I believe was the low individual for Arizona State. So they put their better player in the anchor spot there. But uh, what do you think about that, boys? So let's talk about OU first since they'll be going off first. Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, it's kind of cool that the top eight in the golf stat rankings, golf week, golf stat rankings, all make it through to match play. I mean, as long as I've been watching NCAAs, I don't have it in front of me if it's the first time it's happened. Um, but certainly there seems to always be a squad that squeaks in there that you don't expect to do it. Uh, and top eight making it through was pretty cool. And then to your question about what that matchup looks like for OU, I think that uh, pretty favorable. The, the tournaments that they've been in with Arizona State, they've, um, they've consistently come out on top. Now stroke play is different than match play. Uh, but when you kind of run through those individual matchups, probably the only one that, that seems like a tall task would be Stephen Campbell going up against uh, Cameron Sisk. Um, but, you know, everybody else either matches up well or, or certainly has um, has the pedigree to match up uh, there and get through to what hopefully is a – well, I guess we'll – I guess it'll be a um, – um, a matchup with well, Pepperdine or Tech? Uh, North Carolina. The, um, North Carolina. So North Carolina's Pepperdine the three Carolina. seed, Pepperdine yeah. the six seed. So, yep, that's who the, the, they'll, they'll be on opposite side of the brackets from Oklahoma State and Texas, which is good from a you know uh, podcast standpoint and from a, a chatter standpoint. Ooh. That's all we wanted, right? So we wanted OU and Oklahoma State on opposite sides oh, of the bracket. Sure. So so we get that. But, uh, Scott, any any thoughts on Oklahoma and Arizona State here? I believe Oklahoma State or Oklahoma beat Arizona State in the semifinals in the 1-4 matchup last year. So these two teams pretty familiar with each other as Teal mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I kind of got a question probably for Teal. Um, I mean, you look at Goddard up to went ice cold with the putter today. You know, he's got to have some big-time emotions, whether he showed it in that interview or not. And then he's got the quick turnaround tomorrow. And I know it's a big team event, but, I mean, where do you think his head is at going into this thing early on tomorrow and maybe maybe he wants it you know that early to where he's not sitting around uh to the later tea time tomorrow but i mean summer Hayes has got to be sitting there going okay i gotta play against this guy and he kind of fumbled and that's still got to be wearing on him right i mean i'm just i don't want to kick the dog when he's down because he's incredible and he's a great player but this is a quick turnaround i don't know where Goddard's going to be tomorrow Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I could definitely maybe ride the fence a little bit and, and say that it is hard to say. I think if it were me, I would certainly want a very quick turnaround. Like if I've if I, if I played poorly or something's gone wrong, I don't want to sit around and think about it for for a whole day or a week before my next round or, or something like that. So I'd, I'd probably lean that way. And I also would say like, he's get, he can't be happy, right? I mean, he's got to be yeah. a little bit pissed off. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so if he can play that to his advantage and come out with some intensity and some fire, um, he could have that going for him. But I would say Preston summer is probably there, probably there too bag. Um, yeah. Really high level freshman and really well thought of. So that, that's going to be a great match. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, it seems like, I mean, Goddard has got to be like what, 24 or something by now. He's like a fifth year. <laughs> he's a fifth year senior. So um, I would think if there's a guy that you'd want to put a little bit of emotional baggage on, on your squad, it's probably him. But no, I think that to definitely could definitely play a factor. Um, but but my guess is he comes out and, and takes care of business in a in a close one. Yeah, I like it. Well, let's let's move to the other side of the bracket, boys. Let's talk a little Oklahoma State in the Longhorns, right? So the All Big Twelve matchup in four versus five. Texas actually jumps ahead of Oklahoma State uh, in in nips the four seed here. But we've got. Uh, I don't know which cootie it is. It just says P. So we got to get Golfstead to update that, right? So whether it be Parker or Pearson, but we've got Cootie versus Bo Jin. We've got Vic versus Brian Stark. We've got the other Cootie versus ELC. We've got Mason Nome against Jonas Baumgartner, and then Cole Hammer against Amon Gupta in the five hole for the Pokes. Uh, Teal, what do you think about this lineup for Oklahoma State and Texas? This should be an absolute epic match. I mean, you go down the board, there's not a weak link on either squad. In my opinion, I think that, um, when you go 
in the history of this rivalry, I want to say it was uh, maybe 2019, whenever OSU had come off a national championship, was absolutely stacked with Wolf and Hovland. OSU takes them down, and I don't know if there's anybody that uh, maybe maybe part maybe the Cootie Boys might have been on that squad. I know that uh, Cole Hammer was definitely on that squad, so he he remembers that. But yeah, I think you you, you read them off, and that that ELC Cootie match, regardless of which of the Cooties it is, since since we're not sure, we need a little bit more of an initial situation there. Uh, <laughs> will be the one to watch. Um, you know. It seems like Texas has been on a roll this spring. I, I, I'd rather it obviously be Bedlam, um, getting to the finals if we can get to that point. But man, I, I'd have a hard time betting against the Longhorns tomorrow um, in that matchup. Uh, and then yeah, Gupta in the five hole. I mean, Gupta is an absolute gamer. If it comes down to his match, then I maybe flip and say, oh, she's got the upper hand. But. Um, well, what match there do you, are you look most looking forward to? I'm sure you'll get to follow a little, a little bit of those guys. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm going to be in a conundrum, right? Because I think these guys actually go off on the back nine, if I'm not mistaken, at the 7, 7-10 is their first tee time. And I think OU and Arizona State going to go off on the front nine at the uh, the 6-10 slot there. So I'm going to have to make some choices here. But, um, man, I'll tell you, I follow Gupta around a little bit today. He did not play well. Uh, Oklahoma State in general did not play well. I think they had the highest team score of any of the top eight that advanced today. On the other hand, as you mentioned, Till, Texas being on a heater, they were the only team to shoot under par today. Uh, So pretty impressive in those conditions uh, whenever you factor it all in. So Texas definitely coming in on a little bit of a higher note than probably Oklahoma State as they fell from that two seed all the way down to five. Uh, But... Man, I, I think I think you're right. You've got the the big names all going up against one uh, each other in this group, right? So you got the two Cootie boys against Bojin and ELC. You got Cole Hammer versus Gupta in the five hole. I think it could come down to Vic and Brian Stark um, that two slot there. So maybe the guys that don't get as much uh, publicity as maybe a few of the others. Although Brian Stark, you know, obviously has a uh, a pretty pretty good career and a recent track record as well. But um, I think Vic and Stark might be where that match is won and lost because you got a bunch of the big dogs going off against each other, may end up canceling each other out there. But, uh, Scoots, what about you, man? Longhorns, Pokes, who you got in this one tomorrow? Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking at uh, Hammer Gupta. Uh, Cole Hammer definitely has been kind of a guy that I've followed a little bit uh, once you guys got me into being the collegiate golf sicko as well. Um not that he's like one of my favorite or anything, but I'm really interested to see what uh honestly like the whole this whole matchup, like Teal said, is gonna be kind of like a heavyweight battle in the boxing ring, but uh I'm liking Hammer and Gupta. I wanna see I wanna see what happens there. One more uh, Big 12 team we have to talk about, boys, and show some love to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Again, jumping the hogs uh, on the final day, moving into that eight seed, taking on the number one team. Again, number one via tiebreaker, the Vanderbilt Commodores, um, the, the Norwegian Connection. The two big boys for Tech going off in the four in five holes, Bottard Skogen and Ludwig Alberg, a guy that we've been giving a lot of love to uh, throughout the last couple of years here after seeing him play in person a few times, uh, going off against the two big boys for Vandy as well. So this is going to be good. So uh, Sargent in the four hole and Sherwood in the five hole for Vandy. But uh, thoughts on this one? Can Tech pull a, I don't know if it's an upset or not, uh, but uh, upset from a seeding standpoint, but Till can Tech pull off a big win tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think they can. I think match play, again, this is cliche. I mean, you just throw it all out in match play. Crazy stuff tends to happen. Um, I do think that Vandy is a little bit deeper. Once you get past Aberg and Skogan, it gets, it gets a little bit weak, honestly, on tech squad. Um, I think the thing I'm happiest about is just getting another day of getting to watch Ludwig uh, on TV. Yes, we have been trumpeting him. He was my pick to win the, the, the individual. Did, did not, again, talk about not putting it well. The guy was flagging it all day long, and he could not uh, He could not buy a putt. Uh, but, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd love to see it. Obviously, I'll be rooting for Tech, be rooting for OU, and then, you know, either way with Texas or OSU uh, would be three squads into the final four. Um but I, I think that Vandy probably has a few too many horses in the back 
for uh, for Tech to get it done, but mostly because of the back end of the lineup, I think is going to be hard. But you know, the way that they've put it out there, they got they got Skogan and Aber going out last. So if if the two Scott boys can can somehow scratch out even a even a half um, in their matches to get interesting, but uh, again, just happy to see Tech make it through. Well, Scott, yeah, I, I, I oh. definitely think. Sorry, I, I definitely think Texas Tech can do this. Um, I I think it goes back to where I the Big Twelve has the best golf in the country, and um, and just like J, JT said, if one of these guys can steal one, Skogan and Alberg, I mean, you, I mean, not saying they're locks, but those are your horses, and they're going off last. Um, it could get interesting. It definitely, definitely could get interesting with Texas Tech Vandy. Well, Scott, I want to get your take first on the last remaining matchup in the bracket. Number three, North Carolina against number six, Pepperdine. Pepperdine, definitely a squad that uh, even you, as a relative newcomer to college golf, you know a little bit about this squad, right? So we've got Burnett yeah. against Minotti. Uh, Burnett was one of the guys in the playoff uh, for the individual title this afternoon. Ford versus Joey Buckets, Mr. Highsmith there. Fountain versus uh, Virchich. Greaser versus William Mao, a former Walker Cupper, and then Gerard versus Hitchner in the five-hole match there. Again, that Pepperdine squad, they're, they're pretty good, man. So yeah, I, I, don't know, and, I don't think the seeding matters to them. No doubt. And and you kind of hit on it is I don't think Pepperdine's even played their best golf yet uh, in the individual side. And this team knows how to play match play. Um, obviously, you know, what they've done in years past shows that. And I think they're just going to rickroll over UNC. I don't think this one's going to be close. Teal, you agree? Yeah, I think it uh, should be a should be a pretty good shellacking. I mean, especially when the first three guys out, uh, Minate, <laughs> Highsmith, and Virchich. I mean, they're they're, they're I don't know. It's kind of I was going to say they're best three, but then you got Mal there, who's a Walker Cupper. Um, but yeah, I would have to agree with Scooter. It should be should be over fairly early in the Pepperdine UNC matchup. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think this one on paper looks to be the biggest disparity. And, and maybe that's just because we know so much about Pepperdine and know very little about North Carolina. And again, North Carolina, give them credit, right? So they ended up yeah. in a tie for first from an overall aggregate score. Uh, ended up drawing the uh, short end of the uh, stick, if you will, from a seating on the tiebreaker there, uh, getting Pepperdine in that three slot. But I, I mean, to be honest with you, whenever they were going through the process of figuring out who's going to, you know, how, how, the, how the tiebreaker was going, I was looking at the bottom half, right, six, seven, eight. And from OU's perspective, I was, I was kind of hoping, hey, let's not draw Pepperdine in the uh, quarterfinals. So if we <laughs> get to play them in the semifinal, you're going to have to beat good teams e- either way. But uh, I think from a Sooner perspective, uh, probably good to avoid Pepperdine in the, uh, the quarterfinals. So uh, should be a lot of fun, guys. Again, opportunity to get three of the final four teams to be Big 12 if it all pans out. Um, that might be a, a big ask there, but uh, we'll definitely be following that in the morning. I'll be out there bright and early. I'll get up early, coffee up. I, I got up early to this to this morning as well to fly out here, so it's uh, be uh, be running on fumes by the time it's all said and done tomorrow afternoon. But we'll be checking in with you boys throughout the day, all day tomorrow. So, um, do we want to talk a little bit about some colonial, some PGA action, boys, as to what took place down? Uh, in Big D, south of the Red River. A couple familiar faces there in a playoff whenever it was all said and done, but maybe it didn't end playoffs. the way we thought we'll it talk about Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Scotty Scheffler is apparently human. Um, <laughs> did not play well on Sunday. Kind of struggled down the stretch. And uh, Sam Burns, I know he's one of your favorites, Scoots, yeah. sneaks Go in tires. there. Has an absolute heck of a round on Sunday and then wins it on the first playoff hole, boys. Uh, your takeaways from the Colonial. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. I think my – here we go. I've got to put the ESPN on pause. There we go. Uh, I Like you said, I, I think what Burns did on Sunday, I just love seeing that. You know, throwing up a 65. I'm going to let JT go over the – again, another guy comes back from seven seven back to do this thing. But I love seeing a guy that just puts up a number on Sunday that's not in the lead um, and gets rewarded for it. And, you know, he got to play in the, the playoff, and he, and he didn't – same thing Justin Thomas did last week. 
he got the chance to go back out, and he didn't disappoint. Well, you mentioned coming from seven back, you know, back to back weeks. Yeah. Right. Uh, Unreal. I'm gonna let you hit on that one. I, um, I, uh, early on in the day, it's going to look like that was going to happen or had a possibility. And the thing is, you know, he shoots 65 and the conditions just kept getting tougher. Right. I mean, he posts that early when the conditions weren't, weren't easy all day long. Same, same as it was here in Oklahoma. Yeah. Super windy. But, um, one by one, they all sort of started to crumble (laughs) <laughs> and Sam Burns was just sitting there, you know, like, okay, here's another guy who's finishing an eight under. Here's another guy who's finishing the seven under. I may actually have a chance. I couldn't believe he hung around that long. I, I mean, agree. I agree. He was well back. And, and lo and behold, he finds himself having to go out, stroke a few putts. I don't even, I think he like went to the first tee or something. Well, it was a total flex, right? Instead of going to the driving range, he just went out to the first tee and starts hitting iron shots uh, down the first fairway with a bucket of range balls or something, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, back to back, back to back from seven um, strokes back, just unreal. I don't. We rarely see somebody come from that far back and to have it happen back to back weeks was awesome. And you know, yeah, Scheffler. You know, whilst we'll talk about some of the other guys that had legit meltdowns. It was just like Scotty just couldn't make a birdie. I mean, I think he shot, what, a couple over? Maybe? He shot 72 uh, on Sunday. Two bogeys. Okay, so two bogeys, the rest pars. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Par, uh, bogey, and, bogeyed six, bogeyed 12, the rest all pars. No birdies. So it's not like he totally puked down his leg, but it's at the same time, you're probably not going to win a PGA Tour event without making a birdie yeah. in the final round. So I exactly uh, right. love it. And then, yeah, and then Burns in dramatic fashion, dramatic fashion, excuse me, just let's just end this thing early. I got to get my boy Scotty to a wedding is how it turned out. Um, yeah. And he gets it done. Pretty cool. Yeah. And let, let's get to a couple of those other guys, JT. Um, you know, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of it because I was at a family uh, gathering, but it goes back to what we talked about last week on how hard it is to just win your first event, right? So Davis Riley was there, right? Am I wrong on that? I mean, he, he had a chance to win that thing. Um, I don't think he's won a tournament on the PGA side uh, since he's joined up. Um, so I want to talk about Davis Riley. I don't know what other you guys got, but the other one is Mito ain't going away. I mean, a T7 after abs- everyone says crumble. <laughs> I mean, he gets T7, shoots, you know, and shot a one over on Sunday again. But, I mean, he puts up another good weekend score of a T7 for Mito. And I, just, I loved seeing that. I loved seeing that. I did not think Zalatoris would be the guy that just fades this week. I thought it was going to be Mito, uh, you know, after everything that happened. But he came out and went T7. I was proud of him. Yeah, that was a really cool story, and and you mentioned Willie Z and uh, JT both missed the cut, right? So they're yeah. just hanging out, and you know, maybe maybe the playoff took a little bit out of them or something. I don't <laughs> know, but uh, definitely was good to see Mito follow it up with a good good performance here, and uh, yeah, maybe you know clear the cobwebs out. Hey, get back to work and uh, keep chopping, right? So, but you you mentioned Davis Riley, and uh, he was along with several of those guys. Uh, at 10 under at one point, it looked like 10 under might be the number, right? right. Uh, hey, man, these guys, they're all kind of bunched up there together. We're going to get a four or five guy playoff. This is going to be cool. And then, as Till alluded to, the conditions just got tougher and tougher. That wind was absolutely incredible down in Big D. And uh, bogeys just kind of kept happening. But one guy in particular, JT, made a bunch of bogeys. Made a, made a bunch of multiple bogeys uh, on the back nine. Uh, I made the joke uh, with Scoots and uh, 2G earlier. I was like, what's the opposite of get your bread? Uh, because that that's kind of what HV3 did but uh, till you want you want to talk a little bit about uh, your man HV3 and his back nine yesterday dude that guy decided it was time for a bonfire and throwing bags of money into it and watching it go up in smoke I oh mean, my god that was one of the biggest meltdowns that I've ever seen like it's one thing to go full West, Russell Westbrook you know the old triple double back to back but to throw in another uh, triple on top of that, just for good measure, he was just blowtorching the cash. Um, he had gotten to ten under. I want to say like on the on like fairly early in the front nine, the dude finished at even par for the tournament. Proceeds to shoot forty five on the back nine, and I, I've never seen the likes 
of that kind of meltdown with somebody who is seemingly in control of the golf tournament. He's been playing well, and too. When he goes boom, oh, for sure. No, he's been playing great. And it's like, okay, maybe this is the time. Uh, he's actually going to get it done on the PGA Tour. And uh, boy, was it the opposite. He uh, he four-putted the – was that – what hole was that? Um, one of his one of his shovel bogeys included a four-putt from like nine feet. Not good. Not good at all. So uh, our, our man, HV3, I think he earned 56K – this weekend, um, if we had a one, it would would have been uh, one point six mil. So uh, there you have it. Yeah, that's a, that's a poor rate of return there. <laughs> no, no good there. Uh, any any other parting shots from the Colonial Boys? Obviously, we're going to be moving on to the Memorial this weekend, right? So looking forward to that. We'll make some picks and uh, maybe do a little quick preview of that here in a moment as well. But uh, uh, LPGA till so we had some match play action on the uh, the ladies side. Of things, I, I'm not going to pretend that I had the opportunity to watch a whole lot of it because I was getting ready to come out here to Scottsdale. But uh, if you want to talk a little ladies uh, LPGA match play, I'll tee you up. Yeah, I uh, can talk a little bit about it. First thing I want to talk about was I was disappointed in the field. I mean, it was it was rough. I mean, when when you put match play with Shadow Creek in terms of the golf course they were playing at, that's a, that's a winning combination to have a great field. And it absolutely stunk. I mean, I was having to, even I was having to look up these names, like where, where do these folks come from? Um, and in the end it was in he, G of South Korea. And I'm sure I butchered that to all get out. Yoon but there's a reason. Yoon he, G she hasn't won a event since like 2009 or something. She was not exempt for the U.S. Open until she won this week. That's how depleted, uh, to steal one of your terms, Keith, this field was. So uh, I guess as much as I love match play, I was just a little bit disappointed. Every time I kind of flipped over there or had a chance to look at a leaderboard, didn't recognize any names, maybe short of Madeline Sackstrom, she made a little bit of a run. Yes, um, so I guess yeah. disappointment would – and I don't know if that's a scheduling thing. You know, it's um, – the week before the U.S. Women's Open probably has something to do with it. Um, but overall, disappointment. Uh, but shout out um, to Mrs. G for uh, punching her ticket to Pine Needles. And we're, we're off to the Sand Hills of North Carolina that, that Scott knows and loves so much. Uh, I know JT said he was disappointed in the LPGA match play. Uh, I looked at it and I broke out into hives that I didn't want to talk about it because I can't pronounce a single name from round robin day three. <laughs> that, that's why I threw it to, to JT. I, I wasn't going to ask you to do this. <laughs> I broke out in highs. I was like, oh, my God, don't, don't ask me a single question because I don't know. I can't. Unheeji. I can't pronounce any of these girls' names. Yeah, a, a depleted field. I think that's a fair way to put it, and I, I think you're right, too. I think the uh, the schedule and what is on the horizon probably has as much to do with that uh, as anything. But, hey, you know, shout-out to our man John Mark Beaver, right? So, Shadow Creek, his favorite golf course. Absolutely. I'm sure he was out there spectating the whole week. Uh, and I, I don't know, I'm an idiot. I think I said 2009. Two, 2019 was the last time that she won, um, but has been in a hard hard stretch since then. So uh, we're, we're just going to focus on, on the big event of this weekend being the U.S. Women's Open in addition to our, our beloved memorial. And uh, hopefully they find a better spot on the calendar for the match play going forward. Yeah, we all we all love to watch match play, but uh, if the biggest names and the uh, the biggest competitors are not in it, it kind of certainly loses some luster. So, you mentioned the memorial, boys. So, do we want to talk a little bit about Jack's tourney, right? Defending champion Patrick Cantlay, uh, yeah. but but I think there was there's some there's a caveat there if I remember correctly, right? Wasn't there some weird stuff that went down? Didn't did, is this the one where Rom got pulled off for testing positive? Is that where we're at? Wow, that is that is correct. I believe he had a six count them six stroke lead going into Sunday at the Memorial last year. Test positive for COVID. I think they told him as he was like coming off the green on Saturday. Oh yeah, it was, it was, it was caught awkward. on television. Yeah, he, yeah it was it broke, was awful. He broke down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Cantlay so won that one. Patrick Cantlay, the defending champ. 
Yeah, won that in a playoff over Colin Morikawa, if I remember correctly. But uh, John Rahm, he he did okay, right? So from what I recall, you know, a couple weeks later he won a U.S. Open. Uh, so uh, no no crying over spilled milk there. But John Rahm, one of the co-favorites, along with big roars, right? So Roy McIlroy at eleven to one, John Rahm at eleven to one, defending champ Cantlay at seventeen to one, along with Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, Colin Morikawa, and Xander Shoffley uh, to follow shortly thereafter uh boys what do you think so what what to what what do we think of your field what do we want to say do we want to make picks how do we want to break this thing down it's great well i just want to i want to remind folks um scott if i remember right this is like your favorite non-major of 100%. the year so kind of remind folks while remind folks why you're such a big fan of Muirfield village uh, it's really not even Muirfield Village. It's more of the memorial, uh, um, and and just the you know Memorial Day. Just a big fan of the the whole week uh, that leads up to this. But it, I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful golf course, Muirfield, um, and it's just it's always been one of these tournaments that I've always just really dove into and and enjoyed because it's more of the week that my family does a memorial tournament and then this is the memorial tournament. So it's just not really anything special. It's just more of the fact that it overlaps with what I, what we've done with my family since I was 10 years old with a, with a golf tournament, to be honest with you. So, um, but it's, it's always had a really good field in my opinion. I think a lot of people like playing here. Um, it, it's really like the first tournament of the, second half of the PGA season is what I would call it. So, you know, I think we're Cantlay uh, won it last year with the asterisks, the ROM being the leader on Saturday, but he, that I feel like, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like this tournament really got Cantlay going for the rest of the year winning it. Um, and I think it could be that again, you know, it's again, that tournament that's that starts the second half of the PGA year and kind of, kind of gets everybody going towards that FedEx championship. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And obviously the significance of it being associated with Mr. Nicholas as well, probably yeah. uh, is, is a big part of the reason why it has such a big field. And Muirfield is, a, is an awesome setup, right? So a great course, always plays well on television. We'll be interested to see what the weather's going to be like up there this week. So I haven't, haven't looked that far ahead yet, but uh, – Till, uh, you want to talk a little bit about Muirfield? You want to make some picks, bud? So I, I know it's late. You know, it's grandpa time for you here, bud. So you're you're getting overtime for tonight. Before before we do the the Muirfield picks, we do have bonus golf, guys. Well, bonus we got, golf. We got the match on Wednesday. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers versus Mahomes and Allen at Wynn Casino. Oh, that thing could go away already. <laughs> I'm, I mean, we get, we, look, we get to look at faces, and both of you guys were like, "Don't care." If I if Don't I never saw care. Aaron Rodgers on television again, it, it'd be too. Soon. I had to give Two G some love here because Two G loves Win Golf Club. Uh, it's his favorite course in the country, so I know Two G is going to be watching it. Um, it's got four really good quarterbacks that don't know anything about golf. Uh, that think they do going at it. So well, Tom Brady uh, just hit a hole in one, right? So we had the uh, that's so the fake. drone the drone coverage to prove it. So fake. Agreed. But yeah, right. sorry. Let's <laughs> let's get to picks. JT's ready for bed. Let's go, Teal. Tee it up. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go first here. Dark horse at the Memorial. One hundred to one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go kind of right on the number. Here, um, I am showing uh, your boy, little Brian Harmon. I show him right on the number at plus 10,000. Um, I think that it's going to take a straight hitter out of Muirfield Village, and that's about the only thing Brian Harmon has going for him. So give me uh, give me little Brian Harmon for my dark horse pick. Uh, chug a few milkshakes in the process. I'll uh, I'll be flexible on it till so I've actually got him at ninety five to one but uh, you may be looking at different odds so that's close enough I'm not I'm not going to call you to the the, uh, the carpet just over you know a few points there so I'll give it to you uh, but Scott what about you bud so who's your dark horse for this week uh, that's a great question 
because I'm looking for the odds as we speak. Um, so I don't want to. I'm, I'm like the guy that always does it terribly. But let's go. I'm gonna go Adam Hadwin. Adam Hadwin at 150, uh, 150 to one plus fifteen thousand. That definitely qualifies. You love you some Canadians. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess before I make my dark horse pick, guys, so I, I, I need to maybe toot my own horn a little bit because somebody had Sam Burns at plus 2,800 to win the Colonial last week. Yeah, but that's not your dark horse. No, but Ooh. still a pretty good pick, though, right? So. <laughs> you tooted it at the wrong, like, section. Well, I mean, I just want to go ahead and get it out there because if I, if I, don't, if I don't squeeze it in, if I don't squeeze it in, you guys won't acknowledge it. So I got to get it in now. Otherwise, you'll take it away from me. So. Uh, dark horses, dark horses, dark horses. All right, where are we at? Uh, I'm going to go with the old man. He's been playing really good golf here. He's made some cuts for me in the uh, various dirty birdies in the, uh, the chalk fantasy golf uh, that uh, we're in for the majors each and every month. Stewie Sink. Right on the same odds, scooter at plus fifteen thousand one hundred and fifty to one. The old like bald man's going to get it around. I think he's going to make the cut. Wouldn't even shock me if he top tens this thing. Plus fifteen thousand. Stewie Sink is my dark horse. We going snake draft? Yeah, let's do it. All right, snake draft coming back around to yours truly. A top tenner this week, guys. I'm not really going to overthink this. Um, I think he's going to be mad as hell because of what happened last year. I'm not going to be so bold to pick him to win the whole thing, but I'm going John Rahm at plus 1,100, one of the co-favorites. He may win the dadgum thing, but I, def- I definitely think he's going to finish in the top 10. John Rahm plus 1,100. It's a good pick. Good pick. Um, my top tenner, I'm going Hovland. It's time for him to show up in the top 10. Vic Hovland, huh? Give me yeah. Vic Hovland at plus 1,800. He's gonna he's gonna bring it home from Mexico and right into Christmas like a Norwegian Viking. It's gonna be historical. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Couldn't say it better myself. Man, that clip never gets old. Till, I think that I think that's my most clear best audio of the night. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, here late the Teal compounds. Um, top tenner. I I really like Daniel Berger. This week, I, I feel like it's been a while since we've seen Berger play well, at least while it's being a top 10, giving you some value at 50 to 1. Uh, DB, I think, had a decent week, top 25 maybe uh, down in Texas. So uh, we need to get vibing, and DB is going to do it for us up at Muirfield. I guess it's my turn to give you a winner. Yeah, give us That's a winner. What you're telling me is a snake draft situation. I. Um, Man, I, I really felt good last week, but my winner did not even get close to paying off. But um, I mean, he finished somebody like, who I feel like need. Sorry, finish. Sorry, where did where did he finish? We're at home. T twenty three. Home of that was yeah, okay. your winner, right? T twenty three. Yeah, it's, if, not, if it's not as good as finish top ten. It's not not great. Yeah, it's not but as good not as, as picking good the as winner. Winning like Sam Gr- <laughs> uh, Nonetheless, uh, I'm going to go Xander Shoffley. It's, it's time for Xander to show us something. Been forever since he won an event. Let's go Xander at, uh, what, plus 2,100 is what I have it at. So, uh, give or take. Like that pick, Scoots. What about you, bud? Who's going to win this thing this weekend? Uh, this course, I'm going to pick the best putter in the world. Cam Smith takes this thing home. Cam Smith at 19 to 1. I like it. I like it. All right, boys. My turn to finish this thing off. So there's definitely a reason why we don't do the podcast over Zoom each and every week. <laughs> um, this is just a friendly <laughs> reminder uh, as to why we don't do it. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that is a hell of a ball striker. He's one of Jonathan Till's absolute favorites. Um, like Xander Shoffley, it feels like it's been a while since we've heard from him on the, the victory stand. I'm going to go with our boy Sung Jay at 41 to 1 plus 4100. Um, I think played I think well he's, last week. Yeah, I think he's trending. 
I'm going to get out ahead of the curve. I'm going to go with my boy Sung Jay to win this thing at 41-1. to Winning Jack's tournament, the Memorial. There's your picks. He's hot, people. He picked the last guy. There, I gave you your love. Thank you. That's all I ask. Just a little <laughs> acknowledgement every once in a while, you know? That's all that I ask. Give the uh, man his pat on the back. Oh, boys, plugs. Do we want to get them out there? It's been a long day. It's going to be a long day for me tomorrow, too. So, I mean, bear with me here, people. I'm running on fumes. Very impressive that the man had a podcast in him tonight after a 15-hour day of covering NCAA golf. No at YSO Golf. At YSO Golf on Twitter. We will be just as active tomorrow, even though it is technically a work day. We'll try to sneak those in. Out on Twitter, uh, he's doing a great job out on the grounds. What about you, Scoots? Uh, at Scotty G21, uh, at Dirty Birdies DFS, if you want to join up for that. That was a good week last week, good showing. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, let's get some college golf rocking. I'm excited to get the text message thread going early and often tomorrow. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you mentioned Dirty Birdies. My pick of Sam Burns just barely covers up my uh, terrible, terrible place uh, in the Dirty Birdies contest this past week. I wasn't dead last, but I wasn't far from it. I think I was in the bottom 10. So uh, they can't all be winners, I guess. So, but Everybody uh, finishes sixth, you that's know. That's right. That's right. Just slightly out of the money, about 55 places further down. So uh, for the Fantasy Sports uh, Fantasy Sports <laughs> Pros Network, oh, it's, it's late, boys. I'm a little punch drunk. Uh, you can follow us on the web at fantasysportspros.com or follow us on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Going to be hot out there tomorrow, boys, but uh, yours truly, he's going to get out there and enjoy the walk. (laughs) 